Your CBT questions answered now. It's the NMC CBT with Nurse Mary and your host, Christina. Welcome back to another episode of NMC CBT Discussions with me, your host, Christina, and our nurse, Mary. Hi. Hi, Mary. How are you today? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. So Mary's going to be taking a look at some Part A and Part B questions for us today. So let's get started. Okay, so some part A and part B questions today, starting off with a part B question. Question one, what is the difference between denial and collusion? Denial is when a healthcare professional refuses to tell a patient their diagnosis for the protection of the patient, where collusion is when a healthcare professional and the patient agree on the information to be told to relatives and friends. Denial is when a patient refuses treatment and collusion is when a patient agrees to it. Denial is a coping mechanism used by an individual with the intention of protecting themselves from painful or distressing information, whereas collusion is the withholding of information from the patients with the intention of protecting them. Denial is a normal, acceptable response by a patient to a life-threatening diagnosis, whereas collusion is not. Okay, so the answer to this question is three. Denial is a coping mechanism used by an individual with the intention of protecting themselves from painful or distressing information, whereas collusion is the withholding of information from the patient with the intention of protecting them. Perfect, thanks. Question two. If you were explaining anxiety to a patient, what would be the main points to include? Signs of anxiety include behaviours such as muscle tension, palpitations, a dry mouth, fast, shallow breathing, dizziness, and increased need to urinate or defecate. Anxiety has three aspects, physical, bodily sensations related to flight and fight response, behavioral, such as avoiding the situation, and cognitive thinking, such as imagining the worst. Anxiety is all in the mind. If they learn to think differently, it will go away. Anxiety has three aspects, physical, such as running away, behavioural, such as imagining the worst, catastrophizing, and cognitive thinking, such as needing to urinate. Okay, so although many of these answers seem like they could be correct, um, we're going to use a process of elimination here. So for number three, anxiety is all in the mind. Um, if they learn to think differently, it will go away. Um, that wouldn't be a correct answer um, to explain to a patient. Um, saying that something's all in the mind, although it is, um, can often be uh, perceived sort of as patronizing. Um, so number one, um, signs of anxiety include behaviors such as muscle tension, palpitations, a dry mouth, um, et cetera. Um, that would be um, okay to explain to a patient. However, not all patients would experience all of those things. Um, 
Number two would be the answer which I would personally pick because it says that anxiety has three aspects, the physical, which are the bodily sensations related to the fight and flight response, and behavioral, such as avoiding the situation, and cognitive, such as imagining the worst. Okay, great, thanks for the explanation. Question three. John, 26 years old, was admitted to the hospital due to multiple gunshot wounds on his abdomen. On nutritional assessment in the ICU, the patient's height and weight were estimated to be 1.75 metres and 75 kilograms, respectively, with a normal body mass index, BMI, of 24.5 kilograms per metre squared. He was started on parenteral nutrition support on day one post-admission. Post-operatively, the patient developed worsening renal function and required dialysis. In critical care, what would be the most likely recommended for him to meet his nutritional need? Starting parenteral nutrition early in patients who are unlikely to tolerate enteral intake within the next three days. Starting with a slightly lower than required energy intake, a range of protein requirements, all of the above. All of the above. Okay, great. And question four, onto some part A questions now to finish today's episode. A doctor prescribes an injection of 200 micrograms of a drug. The stock bottle contains one milligram per mil. How many mil will you administer? Bear in mind the two dose values must be in the same unit. Then dose prescribed. Dose over mil, 0.2 to 1 equals 0.2. 20 mil, 2 mil, 0.2 mil. Okay, so nicely it's given you the um, conversion here. So 200 micrograms equals 0.2 milligrams. So we're going to use the 0.2 milligrams and we're going to do the formula, what you need divided by what you have times by the volume. So what you need is 0.2 milligrams and you're going to divide that by one and times it by one, which is also going to give you an answer of 0 0.2 mil. So that would be number three, 0 0.2 mil. Great, thank you. Question five, another part A question to end today's episode. A patient with burns is given anesthesia using 50% oxygen and 50% nitrous oxide to reduce pain during dressing. How long does it take for gas and air to be effective? 30 seconds? 60 seconds, one to two minutes, or three to five minutes? So the answer to this question would be one. It takes less than 30 seconds um, for gas and air to be effective. Okay, perfect, thank you. And that is all for today's episode. Thank you, Mary, for answering uh, that mixture of part B and part A questions. And thank you to everyone watching and listening at home. We really hope that you found today's episode helpful. Don't forget to like and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And we will see you on the next one. Bye.